Hello and welcome everyone to the Almost Awesome Podcast, the only podcast with no height restriction in order to ride. I'm your host, Tanner Rain Hirsch, and I am back from a hiatus that lasted about a year and a half. Uh, don't know if you noticed, but uh, not a lot of movies and stuff were coming out last year. I don't know why, but pfft, who cares? Anyway, uh, I thought I'd kick this podcast off with a movie that, with things now starting to get back to normal, I thought, hey, I better get back into the swing of things and start reviewing movies. I was going to review, like, Wonder Woman at the end of last year, and I was going to review Tenet at some point, but just life uh, kept getting in the way. But now, um, I have no life, so <laughs> so we're going to do this. So, the movie that just came out recently is Mortal Kombat, and that's what we're going to be reviewing today, with also a little bit of critiquing on how I think it could have been done better. So, uh, let's just dive right into it. Now, Mortal Kombat, for those of you who are not aware, is based off a very popular and very gruesome video game that have horrified parents for decades, I want to say? Yeah, yeah, decades, that's... That's pretty apropos. Anyway, these games are so over-the-top gruesome and impractically violent, I would say. But they are a lot of fun. And I've been a fan of them ever since I was a kid, trying to play them without my parents noticing. And But the one thing about Mortal Kombat is that it doesn't really have... Um, what's the word for it? A good story. The story is always all over the place, but that hasn't stopped Hollywood from trying to give us movie adaptions of them. I guess we're going to be trying this every couple decades or so. The first movie came back at about 1995, I believe, and then it was followed up by a sequel, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which we don't talk about. Mortal Kombat Annihilation... It is hilariously bad, and I definitely recommend it. <laughs> but now we have this uh, reboot that has just come out recently, and this isn't the first time Mortal Kombat has tried to reawaken its cinematic presence. It's definitely tried doing web series before. It's tried animated different ventures. So a lot of swings and a lot of misses when it comes to adapting a Mortal Kombat series. But now we have this new reboot. And like I said, I'm just going to give my initial thoughts and reviews on the movie, what I thought worked, what I thought didn't, and also just kind of my own burning ideas of what should happen with a Mortal Kombat movie in general. Now, I'm not one of those purists who are going to say, oh, this movie stayed close to the source material, or, oh, they veered very much off the source material. That's how people talk nowadays. But, no. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say that because Mortal Kombat can't even follow its own source material, even in the games. So why should anyone else when they're trying to adapt the story? It's ludicrous. Uh, it's retconned beyond belief almost all the time. Characters die and then come back and with seemingly no reason whatsoever. And in a game where you finish off your opponent with horrible fatalities, it's kind of expected. Now, 
I apologize if I seem a little bit off the cuff or something like that. I haven't written, really written down these thoughts. I decided to just jump back in here and give my initial thoughts of the film. Saw it last Friday with my brother in theaters since things are slowing up. We've both been vaccinated. Everyone in my family has been vaccinated. And there's social distancing at the movie theater that we like. So we felt pretty safe going into the theater. I have seen movies since the pandemic has started in the actual theater and I felt pretty safe about doing so but I can understand people's hesitant to go back to the theaters I like it when a theater is empty so if you guys don't want to go back to the theater that's fine with me but um, it was really nice to actually go see a movie especially with my brother because we love seeing movies so much and coming out of this movie my initial thoughts about it uh, they were fun you know, there there have been adaptions of things that I like that just frustrate me in some way. But no, this movie was, I think, competently made and a lot of fun to go, go through. I wasn't bored at all during the movie, which can be the worst thing like a video game movie adaption can be. Now, I know that's not setting the bar very high on this, but you gotta understand... Video games don't really translate well to movies. We've seen that a dozen times over. They're starting to get better in quality as the years go on. Now, the thing about this movie, let me give you just a brief synopsis of the Mortal Kombat mythos. The first Mortal Kombat game, Mortal Kombat is a tournament that's held between different worlds, and each of these worlds comes up with different fighters to battle each other for supremacy and the main conflict in Mortal Kombat is that our world Earthrealm a terribly named thing for a realm but whatever is under siege by a world called Outworld again not winning any awards for creativity on the names but the main problem is that Outworld wants to take over Earthrealm but they can only do that if they win 10 Mortal Kombat tournaments in a row. Now, it's usually set up that they've won 9 out of the 10 tournaments. This isn't always canonical. Like I said, Mortal Kombat has a problem following its own mythos, its own canon. But that is generally what happens. And in the tournaments, you've got your fighters for Earthrealm, who are Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade, Jackson Briggs who are kind of seen as our kind of main characters when it comes to it. And then, of course, you've got fan favorites and like Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Now, if you've never even heard or if you've never even played Mortal Kombat, don't really know anything about it, the chances are you know something about Scorpion and Sub-Zero. They're rivalry. They're always paired in promotional materials facing off against each other. Their rivalry is like part of pop culture. It seeps everywhere. And that was definitely the big draw for this movie, the rivalry between Sub-Zero and Scorpion, which we'll get to in more detail. So that's essentially how this movie is structured. It opens up with us in 17th century Japan with character Hanzo Hasashi, who would later become the infamous Scorpion. And he is played by Hiroyuki Sanada, legendary Japanese film actor, uh, love Hiroyuki Sonata. He's just a different caliber actor. And 
he is with his family just enjoying oh such a great time being alive and just enjoying a time of peace but oh no other ninjas show up and they kill his family and they are led by the evil Bihan or Zub-Zero who's played by Joe Talzum and Joe Talzum has uh, been in some other action movies that I really like specifically The Raid and he's awesome in that he, he's quickly becoming a legendary uh, action star so it wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing him in more bigger things in the future but that's what sets up this big fight between Bihan and Hanzo Asashi. The fight ends with Bihan killing Hanzo Asashi. And then Hanzo just disappears for some reason. His body just, I don't know, gets swallowed up by hell or something. It's never quite clear. But anyway, that's what kicks off this movie. And then we're kind of told in text screen that's basically what i just said before outworld wants earth realm they gotta win 10 tournaments to do that the evil sorcerer shang song has won nine of the tournaments for outworld and is about to win the 10th one so things are looking pretty glim glim glum glib something like that so anyway the main thing about this movie the main difference was the care was the introduction of the character Cole Young, who's played by a kind of a stuntman turned actor, Louis Tan, who has a pretty interesting career. He's the son of a fight coordinator that's been in a bunch of Hollywood movies, and he's been in a lot of martial arts stuff in recent history, like Iron Fist. He's been in Into the Badlands, and he's actually... You wouldn't know it from this film, but he's actually kind of a pretty good actor. But, like I said, in this film, there isn't a lot to his character. We meet him as an MMA fighter who's just kind of down on his luck. He used to be a champion, but has since kind of run into a slump where he's just losing fights over and over. We're not really clear on why exactly he sucks all of a sudden. That's another thing. A lot of character motivations are not explained in this film. And in a movie about video game characters where characters are larger than life and everything, I kind of want to know more about these characters, kind of want to see them tick, and I kind of want to see them interacting with each other and kind of bouncing off one another. That's what makes the games fun, and that's what should make this movie fun. When people are not fighting, we should be getting to know these characters more. So the main thing about Cole Young is that he's got a family. He's got a wife, he's got a teenage daughter, and he's just trying to support them. But lo and behold, he's got a dragon marking tattoo on his chest, which is freaking sweet. But it actually means that he's marked for death. No, he's not. He's a champion a champion of mortal combats but people are trying to kill him because of that so yeah he is marked for death he is eventually attacked by sub-zero who is behan as i mentioned before who has lived for about a few centuries now not really sure how that's possible but again we're not really sure we're not even really sure why sub-zero killed scorpion in the first place Another fault of this movie is that a lot of character motivations are kind of assumed, 
and it's left up to the viewer who it seems like the movie is expecting to be already a fan of Mortal Kombat to kind of already know, hey, these two characters don't like each other. So that's all you need. Here we go. Let's just get to the bloodshed. But my frame of thought is that you should always, always, always explain your character motivations regardless of existing history. Whether you're dealing with Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, you should have what's important to that character up front, even if there have been multiple adaptions. Now, the contrast to that, when I mentioned Hanzo Asashi, I've seen about three different adaptations of his family getting murdered by Sub-Zero, uh, or somebody pretending to be Sub-Zero, like I said. The mythos is convoluted. But I've seen three different adaptions of it in about like five years. So I'm at the point where it's like, okay, I don't need to keep seeing his family get killed. I almost want something different to happen. That is the other side of it, where you end up just being rehashing old feelings. That is the danger of adapting well-known properties. But I digress. Now, eventually it's revealed that Cole Young is the descendant of Hanzo Asashi. When Sub-Zero murdered him and his family, he actually had a surviving daughter that we see that the Thunder God Raiden comes down and saves after everyone else has been murdered, which becomes kind of a running theme of Raiden's where he is able to do, where he's able to teleport anywhere but really doesn't really help at any moment and is, for a god, is pretty useless. Now, Cole loses a fight, and then he gets talked up by Jackson Briggs, who in the games is a large, muscular man with bionic arms, but he doesn't have bionic arms at this point, so you're just left wondering, oh no, <laughs> I don't feel good about this yet. So anyway, his family gets attacked by Sub-Zero, and then Jack stays behind to take on Sub-Zero. But, lo and behold, Sub-Zero's like, hey dude, um, fans are kind of wanting you to have bionic arms, so I'm going to help you out with that. And he freezes and shatters Jax's arms. Which eventually leads him to getting his bionic arms. Cole then takes his family to safety and is met up with Sonya Blade. Another fan favorite character. Once he meets her, she kind of goes into this long exposition dump about what Mortal Kombat is and has all this research and everything and it really it was the only time in the movie that it really slowed down for me and I really wanted to know okay I don't really want to know all this exposition I want to know more about this new character this new interpretation of Sonya Blade but not too long we're then introduced to Kano Another fan favorite who's known for having a bionic eye that shoots lasers and being inexplicably Australian for some reason. Now Kano is one of the only sources of humor in this movie and the actor who plays him really does embrace his role as the comic relief. And he also serves as the only source of contention within our group of characters. Which is something I wish the movie had more of. While Kano's lines are funny and it's really interesting to see his character bounce off the other characters, I wish I saw that more between other characters. 
like Cole and Sonya, or Sonya and Jax, or Liu Kang and Jax. I wanted to see more of these interactions where their personalities intersect, where the personalities clash. That's something that Mortal Kombat has actually embraced over its last two installments, and you can actually go on YouTube and look up character interactions where before a fight, if you choose two characters, you see them having different conversations. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're serious, sometimes they're hurtful, whatever. And these fight intros in the games create a little bit of motivation of why these two want to either be working together or fighting each other, even though they end up fighting each other anyway and performing horrible fatalities on each other. So, with friends like those, huh? So, anyway, Kano does serve a little bit of levity to this movie. Now, eventually, after more fighting and more stuff, they head to the Shaolin Temple, or Raiden's Temple, I'm sorry, where they meet up with Liu Kang, who is usually considered to be the main protagonist of Mortal Kombat. His character is the most accessible in the game. So, like, you're supposed to be able to pick up Liu Kang, and you're supposed to be able to play him. And now, many different movies and adaptions have just kind of figured, yeah, Liu Kang is kind of the star of the film. Star of the games. He's always thought of as the champion and stuff. And the games have tried to make him evil at some points. have tried to make him corrupt. They can never really decide who their main character wants to be. When really it should be all of their characters. Now, this portrayal of Liu Kang, he's kind of seen as an old, wise mentor, even though he's played by a very young actor. But I kind of do like the contrast, where he's this very polite, proper, very wise warrior who's meant to be a monk. And he does have kind of nice interactions between the characters. Now, eventually, the main characters are attacked by... Uh, the evil characters like Sub-Zero were introduced to Melina, who is a... Uh, Melina's story is kind of complicated. Let's just say she's a sister of another character, and you really don't want to give her a kiss. Because she will bite your face off with her giant jaws. But that's when Shang Tsung arrives with his minions and tries to attack the warriors, but Raiden decides to be useful for a change and erects a giant lightning shield around his temple so the bad guys can't get in. So now, the good guys decide to spend their time training to awaken what they call their arcana, their special power, which, if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, is like, ah, this is where they're going to do all their special moves. They're going to discover it. And then people ask you to shut up because you're talking during the movie and no one likes you. Now, the arcanas, the special powers in this movie, some I'm okay with. Like, some can have, like, each power is unique to the different character. Liu Kang, for example, can shoot fireballs. Sub-Zero has ice powers. Then it starts getting a little bit weirder. There are characters like Sonya, who discovers that she has uh, wrist lasers, I guess. 
Kano discovers his power as a laser that can shoot out of one of his eyes. Now, usually in the games, this is explained that he has a cybernetic eye that lets him shoot lasers. So we're not really quite sure that he has a cybernetic eye in this game or in this movie. So we're just kind of left to assume. But he can only shoot a laser out of that eye, which I don't know as superpowers go that's very limiting and specific. I mean, a laser is cool and all, but come out only one eye? All right. And then <laughs> there's Kung Lao. Now, Kung Lao is a weird character. If you've never seen Mortal Kombat, he's a guy who has this razor hat. He's a Shaolin monk, but he has this razor hat that he wears that he uses against his enemies to slice them up, which is a weird thing for a monk to have. But alas, he has it. Now, Kung Lao in the video game story is a descendant of the great Kung Lao, who is a great hero of Mortal Kombat until he was killed in a tournament and then Earthrealm started losing. So he's named after his great ancestor, and I'm just like, why? But anyway, it's kind of weird. His power is usually wind-based in the games, but it's mostly the control of his hat. He's able to throw his hat, kind of Captain America style, slice up people, and then it kind of retracts back to him. And then he also has control of the hat, and he can also teleport to where his hat is, and then it just lands perfectly on his head. So like I said, it's not quite clear how these powers work. Then, I think the most egregious use of powers, Arcana, is Jax's. Now, as I mentioned before, Jax loses his arms in a fight with Sub-Zero. The Shaolin monks later find him and give him these mechanical uh, arms, but they're kind of skeletal looking, so they're not very strong, so he is kind of struggling with losing his limbs, and that was kind of an aspect I wanted them to explore a little bit more. Now, eventually, he does discover his arcana, his power, but <laughs> it's in the form of he awakens his power and then his arms get upgraded. You see this arm where his arms just like, <laughs> it looks like an Iron Man thing where it's like Iron Man suiting up and he's got these like new arms and they're just forming around him and then he's given super strength. And I'm just like, how? How? It's like, I can understand fireballs and ice and maybe lasers, but <laughs> the fact that he was able to grow better mechanical arms... Now, somehow, they're a lot better than robot sleeves, which is what Jax had in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I'm sorry for bringing that up. It was stupid then. It's stupid now. I just thought, for comparison's sake, I would bring it up. But anyway, that's the thing about these superpowers. Eventually, it turns out Kano is evil. Shocker. None of the Mortal Kombat fans were looking forward were expecting that and then eventually the shield comes down and they're left to all fight Shang Tsung's warriors and by the way Shang Tsung Shang Tsung and Raiden the two actors they got for these characters 
it was just a whole lot of nothing. Just the blandest kind of acting you could get for two characters that are so important to the story, I guess. But it also does them a disservice because two of the best performances were actually from the first Mortal Kombat movie. Where Raiden was played by Christopher Lambert, which kind of whitewashing. And then the actor they got for Shang Tsung, their roles became so iconic that even in the newest, the latest release of Mortal Kombat 11, they actually let you... Like, Shang Tsung is played by the same actor who played him in the movie. And then you can actually download a skin and a voice for Raiden that Chris, in the form of Christopher Lambert. So you had these two iconic performances. And it's unfortunate because those performances are way better than what we got here. Now, I'm in the camp that if you give characters the right attention, you give them enough dialogue, and you give the actors more room to kind of play around, I think we would have gotten a better performances out of these two characters. But unfortunately, we didn't. And... That's something I think is sorely missing from this movie, and I'll get more into that when I get into how I think Mortal Kombat movies should be. But eventually, the characters are all fighting each other, good guys are having a bad time against the bad guys, they kind of all lose, and Cole, thinking that he's an absolute loser, is sent by Raiden back to his family. But lo and behold, he's attacked by Goro, which, again... This Thunder God doesn't seem to be in the business of protecting any of the people who are supposed to be protecting Earth. Now, Goro is a big four-armed monster that you kind of had to fight in first couple of games, and he was always really difficult to beat. And it was always, and they decided to use Goro against his new character. I don't know how I feel about that, but the thing that happens here is that when Goro is fighting Cole. Cole unlocks his arcana, which turns into like this weird armor that comes around his body that allows him to absorb uh, energy, like kinetic energy, and he's able to push that back again against his opponents, which is not a bad thing. I think is actually kind of cool. The weird thing about it was that he got these like weird ton fans. I'm not sure what they called, but they're these. But he's able to form weapons out of his armor, which I thought was just kind of weird. But he's able to use this against Goro and win. Now, I'm not going to spoil the rest of the movie for you. I know I've given kind of a play-by-play -play here. And what I will say is that movie kind of ends just how you expect of any movie, any action movie. And that was just kind of it. But you know what? I still had fun with this movie. So I still do recommend it. Even if you're uh, not a fan of Mortal Kombat per se, if you're looking for a cool martial arts film or anything like that, I would definitely check it out. If you've got HBO Max, it's free to stream right now. Or if you just need a time to go to the movies, I, I recommend seeing it because it's fun. It's entertaining. Uh, you could probably make fun of it on your way out if you are so inclined. But 
I want to get in, but the real reason I wanted to do this podcast, and I hope you'll indulge me just a little bit more, was that just little changes I think they could have made to make it actually awesome. And one of the things in this movie that actually kind of drives me crazy that it's in any movie was that there is a mention of a prophecy. I hate prophecies. It's such lazy writing to just kind of... It's almost like telling you what's going to happen later in the movie. It's like, hey, look out for this. And a prophecy is just always kind of a lazy motivation. It's like, we've got to prevent the prophecy from coming true. And it's just so overdone. There's almost no reason to do it. But this kind of goes into what I think they should do with a Mortal Kombat movie. And that is kind of better define what Mortal Kombat is. And the way I've always envisioned Mortal Kombat, and I think this would be interesting for other people, is that you kind of look at Mortal Kombat as like, yeah, it's a tournament where different realms, different worlds select their champions, and then they all fight in these different crazy arenas to the death. Now, the cool thing about this would be that the gods of these different realms could place wagers on different fights. So they could select a champion to go against another champion, and then those gods would make wagers. Hey, I want, like, your realm in exchange for winning this fight. Kind of kind of make it more to where Mortal Kombat is like a casino, or it's where people bet on fights, make wagers. This is as something like the gods do for their own entertainment, and then we, mortals, are just caught up in it. So I think that would be just a great kind of thing to have and that the characters are kind of fighting against. So anyway, that's what I think would be interesting for the Mortal Kombat series. Because then it doesn't really have to be in a tournament setting. You could just be like you're just in this great game of gods and you're just trying to navigate and survive. And that was one of the things I think should be in this movie where instead of giving us these scenes where it's like the prophecy is coming true. By the way, the prophecy is that the blood of Hanzo Asashi, Scorpion, the guy who died at the beginning of the film, his blood will rise and unite the champions of Earthrealm. So they want to stop that. And like I said, Cole is a descendant of Scorpion. So, of course that happens. <laughs> because it's a prophecy. But instead of telling us that there is a prophecy, I think it would have been f- cooler to have a scene right at the beginning with Raiden and Shang Tsung, the two people like in charge of this, two opposing forces, get together and just have like a nice like uh, tet on tet like they're drinking tea they're being friendly with each other and then they start making wagers like we see these like godlike people making wagers on people's lives and it's like if my fighters win this then outworld gets earthrealm or maybe Shang song could be like i want your job as protector of earthrealm and raiding could be like okay but if i win then you have to go back to outworld and then outworld can't lay claim to earth anymore Like, they're just making these grand wagers. And you you can kind of see that it's just really personal between them. And they're not really considering the people's lives that 
are going to be thrown into this. Raiden should be kind of seen as very unlikable. But anyway, so I think just that overall would have made just an interesting angle to Mortal Kombat instead of less of a prophecy, more of impending doom. It's just powerful demigods just wagering the lives of mortals. And then we're just forced to fight for it. And then later on, you can have stuff where it's like wars, standing up to the gods, whatever have you. The main change I would make to this movie, to where I think it would just been a little bit better if we given, not only just giving more character interactions, explaining motivations, um, choosing better characters for the films... I could get into all those small details, but I won't bore you with all that. I'm just going to say the last thing, the major change for this film should have been who our main character is. Now, the thing about main character played by Louis Tan, Louis Tan is of half Asian descent. And like I mentioned before, his father was a fight coordinator on many different Hollywood films. And Louis Tan is kind of good looking he's kind of like a pretty boy and he's also an expert martial artist on his own now and i've seen some of his other stuff where he can be a little bit cocky a little bit arrogant egocentric so what i think the major change of this film is that this character should have been the character of johnny cage now again if you don't know who johnny cage is johnny cage is usually seen as the I don't know if I want to use the term everyman, but he's generally the one who people have to explain what's going on. He's a Hollywood actor who, in the games and movies and stuff like that, is usually getting involved in Mortal Kombat to revitalize his movie career. People think that he's a fraud, that he doesn't do his own stunts in his movies. He does B-schlock movies, but he thinks he's an A-lister. So it's all an ego trip for him. But he eventually learns humility and learns to fight with his friends. So I think instead of making this Cole Young character, Louis Tan should be playing Johnny Cage. Now if you've seen the movie, you're not probably convinced that this guy could play someone who's one of the more charming and funny characters in Mortal Kombat. And I would agree, but just bear with me for a second. When I learned about this... And this is especially important in this time in, like, our American society due to the rise of anti-Asian sentiment that has been going on in our country, where we need to start not just for Asian Americans, not just for African Americans, but we need to have more diversity in our movie roles, where people aren't portrayed by stereotypes and everything. And I think this would be one important step. Now, this is already a diverse cast, and I'm not complaining whatsoever. And I think the casting for this movie was actually pretty good. Just the writing could have been touched up a little bit more. So, I think Louis Tan should be playing Johnny Cage. And now, I've been reading up about Louis Tan's life and that's something that's very important to him asian representation but he's also someone who's been in just 
uh, a stuntman. He's been in very minor roles. He gets relegated to a lot of uh, martial arts type shows, everything where he plays a bad guy usually. And that's sort of how I think Johnny Cage should be portrayed. Someone who was into martial arts, was really good at it, became a stuntman. And then eventually, like a lot of people in Hollywood, kind of falls backwards into bigger roles, kind of gets a little bit popular. That starts going to his head. He starts thinking he can do bigger movies. So he starts doing movies that you would see Vin Diesel or Nicolas Cage doing. And his career just tanks afterwards he just makes bad decision after bad decision he like loses all of his money he gets a divorce so he sort of hit rock bottom but we would still keep the angle of him having a daughter and the daughter can be the character of cassie cage who is another recent character in the mortal kombat games so we could still keep that going along so it would essentially be kind of the same place where we meet Cole Young, except the context is different, where it's this kind of washed-up Hollywood actor, and he's starting to do MMA fights, but he's approaching it like Logan Paul would, like these white-collar boxers who do highly publicized fights. And so that would be kind of the approach, and he would just be getting his ass kicked time and time again. His main motivation would be that he's trying to prove that the one thing he's good at is fighting. He's trying to prove that he can be what his daughter saw in his films. Because I would play up that his daughter loved his films. His daughter is actually very supportive of him. And he's actually very supportive of her. And wants to be seen as a hero in her eyes. And, you know, you can have a bunch of... And you can have him be kind of egocentric. You can have him kind of like, uh, <laughs> that's my Johnny Cage impression. Uh, you can have him to where he just doesn't understand a lot of the stuff going on, where he's a little bit afraid um, or just plays something off as a joke or something like that. But I think it would really ground Johnny Cage, really humanize him, and we would make Johnny Cage the star of it. Now, usually Johnny Cage is portrayed as a Caucasian male with blonde hair and blue eyes. So, but the thing about Louis Tan is that he is not that. He's actually of Asian descent. So we can actually keep a lot of the same stuff. And we can portray people of color, of different nationalities, in these starring roles. And just make a better president. President. Ugh, sorry, I can't talk. <laughs> but we can create a better standard for these roles. And when we start opening up the possibility of what different people of color can be seen as on the screen, not just Asian people doing martial arts, not just any other ethnic stereotype you can think of, we start going beyond that, and that starts creating opportunities everywhere. So even though I think this movie does accomplish that for this actor, Louis Tan, uh, portraying Asian Americans uh, in, a, in a better light, 
and not showing them in any stereotypical role. I think that movie accomplishes that. But we could have also done that and made the story better. So that's where I'm just going to end today's podcast. That's all I really wanted to get off my chest. Sorry this format was a little bit more loose. I really just wanted to get my thoughts out there, really just trying testing the waters, getting back out there. Starting to lose my voice now. It's definitely been a while. So I'll just leave it there. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you.